When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Welsh History Podcast, episode number 56, The Rise of Gwyneth. Gwyneth was one of the earliest recorded Welsh kingdoms, and since there, King Cadwallon was defeated in 634 at Heaven's Field, it had been a kingdom for the most part on the wane. Gwyneth had been obviously defeated in this particular incident, and over the last 50 years or so, seemed to have been reduced, seemingly shut out of the public record. That's about to change. Offa, the great king, was dead. He had sat on the throne for over 40 years and in that time created a massive state within England, which dominated the affairs of the Saxons and controlled or made clients of much of Wales. With his death, his son took over the crown of Mercia and titular head of southern Britain. But he too died, and it is claimed by an illness in just half a year. With the death of Ecrith, Coenwulf came to power and engaged his subject kingdoms. In 796 or 797, the Welsh, probably seeing an opportunity to break free of Mercian domination, engaged their forces on Frothland. At the battle, Merduth, the king of Dofid, was killed. However, the battle must have gone the Welsh way, as the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle says nothing about it, and Coenwulf returned shortly after for another go. Usually, if there was success, if they murdered the king, that would have been important enough to make mention of. The fact that they didn't probably means it was a significant defeat for Mercia. And so in 798 AD, Conwulf once again invades Wales. This time, he is claimed to have, been, he is claimed to have killed Caradog ap Mirion, the king of Gwynedd. And he appears to have continued the dominance of Wales in a similar fashion to Offa at this point. And it's here at this time, as we get to this specific death, that everything changes for Wales. And really, England is affected as well. Because at this point, we see a change in the king. Now, Caradog was an important king. He was a significant king. He was king almost as the same amount of time as Offa and yet is made hardly any mention of, except for in a couple of genealogical lists. He's mostly known for having taken over the throne at the death of Rodri, and because of this, is claimed to have overthrown the person who either was the legitimate heir or a person who was a bastard via another peasant father parentage, uh, as he was claimed to have been the court woodsman. Now, this is in poetry, and it's mentioned in a couple of places within Welsh writings. There's no evidence of this from the time period, so we don't really know. We just have 
what amounts in the National Enquirer's version or the tabloid versions of what happened. So we don't really know enough about it to be able to say what was going on. We just know that that's the rumor. The rumor is, is that his parent was a woodsman. And the reason they claim is because Rodri at the time was very old. And so it was observed and, and declared that the reason why this happened is because old Rodri couldn't have fathered a child. He's just so ancient or so feeble. And we all know that that genetically is untrue. The likelihood of someone being able to father a child at 90 as a male, while not as likely as when they're 20, is still a possibility. I mean, it's a narrow possibility just based on the way uh, men age and how that affects their ability to genetically spread themselves out, if you were. But it is a legitimate thing that they can still accomplish. There's enough evidence out there now for a woman in that circumstance to next to impossible, depending on situations, I would guess. But for a man, it is still feasibly possible. So the fact that the guy was old isn't really good justification. So unless there was something else about it, or it was the fact of what happened later, justifies itself by way of this. And this is part of the problem when you have what amounts to histories that are written by other people, they have a tendency to determine what happens later and how you're perceived. Often we look at guys like Nero and Caligula who are famous emperors who are well known for being just insane. But yet at the same time, we only know that from their opposition. And so do we know for a fact that they're crazy? Do we know for a fact that Nero fiddled while Rome burned, blah, 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 all these kind of things? We know nothing really about that. All we know is what we're told by the history books. And if the history books are 100 to 200 years beyond that, and then poetry, which comes even later, then it's a bit like that kind of storytelling when somebody passes on an oral conversation. Eventually, when it gets to the final person, it may not in any way resemble the, the original facts. And top that off with the fact that it doesn't, suit the best interest of the next few heirs to the throne to have this guy being seen as sympathetic or actually the worse yet the rightful heir to the throne of course if that's the case and if he's an illegitimate heir then here's the interesting part of this we know from our studies and discussions of welsh history in the past especially about the kinship rules he still is a legitimate heir as long as the person who's the head of the family declares him so. So if the king declared he's his heir before he died, it doesn't matter that he wasn't a legitimate heir. Because in Welsh eyes, he is legitimate. And so he is an inheritor of the throne. Now you can make a genetic question of, is he literally a descendant of this person? But you can no longer claim that he isn't an heir to the throne. So again, this may show certain things. But Interestingly enough, like I said, Caradog takes over at no point in the succeeding 40 years after that, because he takes over about 754, is there a claim made by Kyan that he wanted the kingship? And it's Kyan who is the next in line to the throne, if we are to understand how this works. So for the entire time that Caradog Apmerian is the if you're like me and eating healthy is a bit of a problem let me bend your ear a little bit 
to eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Kato, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggies. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfasts, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Also, if you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 and use the code welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code welshhistorypod50 at factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Welcome to Anthology of Heroes, the podcast that explores the most pivotal moments of history through the eyes of those who lived it. In this podcast, we don't spend our time recounting facts and dates. Instead, we follow in the footsteps of national heroes, kings, or ordinary people who lived and breathed the moments that shaped our world. We're not hemmed in by eras, borders, or religions. Instead, we seek out the tales of those who defied the odds and fought passionately for their beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong is up to you to decide. From Vercingetorix's doomed rebellion against Rome, to Osceola's unshakable war against the USA, all the way up to the inspiring Sobibor concentration camp uprising in World War II, each episode is an immersive listening experience, blending music and sound effects to really draw you into the story. Our episodes go for about 45 minutes, making them perfect for your commute, and are crafted using a wealth of historical sources which I list on our website if you want to learn more. I'm the host, Elliot Gates, and I'm thrilled to have you joining me as we uncover history's hidden gems and illuminate the faded pages of our past. Look out for the Anthology of Heroes podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. King of Whale, of Gwyneth, he is effectively unprotested, or there doesn't appear to be a situation where Kyan is coming back to take him out. So all of this happens and we get to 798 and Coinwulf invades Wales again. And this time he kills Caradog Apmerian, who is at that point king. And at this point, there is a power vacuum. And so we dawn into the ninth century with chaos being the basically what we're going to live with in the Welsh kingdoms for a little bit. As kings continue to be killed, they die through various circumstances, and a lot of them die, and the powerful ones die. It isn't just, you know, local prince and local lord and local peasant villager. It is the kings of the land that are being knocked off constantly. And you can imagine how chaotic that is for the area of Wales at the time. We saw this with Offa and his predecessors, that the more they were around and the more they did stuff like that, the more likely it was that that 
we would hear less and less from Wales. And so in 805, for example, uh, the Annals of Ulster mentioned that there was a plague that broke out across Ireland. And it is seen as to have been big enough of an issue that they mention it. And not only that, there's also this concept that at the time, Ireland and Wales had trade relations. They were sending stuff back and forward. Obviously, North Wales has an ancestral connection to Ireland, so you can understand that there would even be more of that. And of course, this is an age where we're starting to see the rise of people who will be able to take ships across far, far distances, even over in, from Europe to North America. So we'll see that this is no longer a boundary or even close to a barrier. So if this happens in 805 in Ireland, you can imagine, much like the previous plagues that came out of Justinian, these could reach Wales. And in 807, we're told by the Chronicles of the Princes that Arthan died, who was king of Caradigion. And then in 808, the royal death toll grows even larger, as Thrun of Doifed and Cadal, the king of Powys, die as well. And that's all they give you. They don't give you any more than that. They don't go into any details. They don't tell you who or what or how. And when you look at other sources, like the Annals of Ulster or the the Welsh Annals themselves, or if you look at the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, there's no mention of how these men died. It's just that they did die. And however, if we take it in concert with the aforementioned plague, it could be a smoking gun to why there's so much royal death mentioned, that rather than being a military death, I mean, certainly these men could have all died of old age, but realistically, in the middle, medieval era, that didn't happen a whole lot to kings. They generally got overthrown. They lost battles. They died of illnesses. They, living long years was unusual, which is part of the reason why it becomes a problem sometimes. And in the case of, of these men, it did become a problem. And that's why I say, it, it, from my mind, just looking at the sources, it almost feels like this plague has gone over into Wales and has caused this. And if you think about it, these are kings, these are not just small fries. These are the big kings of Wales. I mean, we're talking about Dyfeth and Powys, who are some of the biggest kingdoms in Wales at the time. And Caragidion is not a small one either. And in fact, this does a lot to tear it apart. And conversely, only, you know, nine years earlier, the king of Gwyneth has died. And in his place is someone who hasn't made a lot of impact on the historical record. Kainan uh, Aprodri or Kainan Didwethi isn't really mentioned again, other than in one other circumstance and in one other main occasion. But he is the king of record for almost 20 years in, in Gwyneth. And so he's important, he's significant. And yet he seems to always be ignored. He's never hardly mentioned you know, he may have been a baby when he, when his father died. Thus, was that's what held him back from taking the throne. You know, a baby has no say in what happens to it after it's born, unless there's someone to speak for it. And in this case, this would be a very similar situation. And so he ascends to the throne, but only after the previous king has passed away. And in the end, it this issue of his legitimacy is claimed to be part of the reason why he ends up in a civil war. Now, 
the problem with that argument goes is that this may not be as simple as that. That sounds really conveniently easy. And if we look at the way Welsh history works, it's never easy. <laughs> and I don't think so in this case either. During the early teens of, of the ninth century, as Coenwulf again invades, this time into Gwyneth in 816 and 817, it seems to almost set off a huge issue in Wales. And at this point is when Huel a Ceredog, in other words, the apparently the son of Ceredog, who had been the former king, takes command after exiling Kynan. So what happened? Why did that happen? And more to the point, what happens afterwards? Because even though he's claimed to be king by the Welsh Annals, in 817 and 818, so a year after Conwulf has come in, which does make one wonder if Conwulf was somehow allied to Huel, if Huel was actually had fled to Coinwulf to try and get his support in taking back the throne. And that's the reason why he invades and ravages Snowdonia and then takes control of Hrufnog, which is this territory near Ros. Also at a time when, as we know from previous commentaries, that Powys is in the descendancy, may not even really fully exist. So Rouse is basically left to its own devices without its various partners. And it's not clear if the Mercians are then involved in the later battle in Anglesey in 1817 or 18, where, again, the these two individuals are claimed to have fought. And on this occasion, Kynan is sent packing. So you wonder if Huel lost the first battle, but won the second one, or if maybe they're basically a part of the same battle and it's just effectively been fought over a year because you have winter season, which is not easy fighting. So people take a break and then they go back at it in the fall, in the spring. And it's also not clear whether the Mercians were even involved in this particular part of the war, because at this point is when it's claimed that Coinwolf has devastated Doifed and is actually involved and, and entrapped into that argument and that war. So again, all of this is happening to the Welsh kings. I mean, if you got the Mercians into Doifed, it tells you how bad things are for Powys and for Gwent and all of those areas around there because they are not influencing or stopping the Mercians. They apparently cannot even defend themselves against the Mercians anymore, who basically are having free reign on the west coast of Wales as much as they did on the east side of Wales. So that shows, again, that the influence of Mercy, even at this point, as it starts to go into its descendancy very shortly, is still affecting and controlling a large portion of the countryside. And it's this problem which then allows them to interfere. And, of course, much like the English kings will do pretty much from here on out, they influence who becomes king. They influence who controls the kingdoms and who becomes next in line for the throne because of their ability to dominate and their ability to force their will upon the Welsh. And this is a problem that will continue pretty much from now until the end of, well, till the modern age, someone would argue. And so that problem 
will continue to go forward, obviously. But conversely, we also have this interesting dichotomy of problems. If Kainan is not the legitimate heir to the throne, like the legitimate descendant of Rodri, then does that make Huel the good, the penultimate leader, Huelta, for Doifed, actually illegitimate and actually not a descendant of the great line that had existed as the first main dynasty in Gwyneth. And that brings up all sorts of questions, and nobody really has any answers to all this. We're only guessing based on the fact that we have very sketchy evidence even for who Kynan is. We only really kind of know. He's the only one we can really officially identify as being a descendant of the king, whereas Hulap Caradog, we're not even sure about. We don't even know truthfully. We have suspicions, we have suspecting, but we don't know. And making it even worse in all this case is the guy who's going to come next and how sketchy his claim to the throne is because if Yule's claim is kind of loose just because his father had been Caradog doesn't mean he was the legitimate heir to the throne especially if Kynan actually has the better argument if Kynan has the better argument and the better genealogical legitimacy then what now of course as we said earlier that doesn't affect the way kinship rules work in Wales. So if Huel and Kynan are actually related, then there could have been some explanation as to why uh, we find Caradog as the king and Kynan apparently not arguing that point. One might be able to say that that doesn't mean a lot, but there is certainly some contention that that could be the case, and we could argue that. And if that's the case, if these two are related, then that changes a lot of the, the dynamic because now all of a sudden, you know, they, they have, they may not have as weak of a claim to the throne as it seemed. So the other interesting part of all of this is now we get in at the death of Huel in 825, we get an all new claimant to the throne and one that we're going to talk a lot more in depth in the coming weeks. And his name is Merthen. Fittich. And he will be a bone of contention for many, many years to come. But he is the one who creates what we consider to be the rise of Gwyneth. It's him and his ability to grow his dynasty as the second dynasty in Wales for Gwyneth. The second and biggest dynasty that will go forward. The one that we know so much more about because of this. And it's Merthen who commissions the History Britonium in part, we think, to legitimize himself and to make him seem important. And it's also under Merthen's reign that we first hear the name Arthur and hold in line this idea of a noble person not from noble blood who becomes the leader of the people even when he's not necessarily legitimate. And so again, it harkens back to this whole argument about Kinnan, but it also harkens to his own legitimacy. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the noisy neighbors next week, I guess, when we get into this, the new neighbors even, uh, and their arrival to Ireland. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for 
contributing to this podcast. Thank you for those that are contributing through our Patreon. It is much appreciated. Without you, I could not continue to do this podcast. If you would like to help our podcast out, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Wells History, and you can contribute there, become a member, a supporter even of our podcast and, and help me to fund the books and the studying and the research that I have to get in order to talk about this process and this project. Uh, until next time, everyone, thank you very much. Thank you. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me at the Welsh history podcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at Welsh history pod. My personal account is at John DMP and everything we do is on distractionsmedia.com. So please go check that out as well. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Edge of the Abyss Creations is a proud sponsor of the Welsh History Podcast, your one-stop shop for unique jewelry, paintings, and other crafty creations. You can find us at facebook.com slash edgeoftheabyss1. This has been a Distractions Media production. For more info, you can check out everything we do at distractionsmedia.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.